Today's episode of Friday Rollin' is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music, which is two taps on your phone. Instantly buy SeatGeek tickets to an event and enter that event. No paper tickets. Drop your old ticket app. Use one that's built for 2016. Again, do everything on your phone. Download SeatGeek's free app or go to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Sling TV, the best way to watch live TV on your turf. For just 20 bucks a month, stream more than 20 live channels, including ESPN, TNT, AMC, and CNN. No installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts, just an internet connection. That's it. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com slash Bill Simmons and get Sling TV on your favorite device. Restrictions do apply. Since we're here, my new HBO show is Any Given Wednesday. It returned this week with a football show. Malcolm Gladwell, Demora Smith, and Jay Glazer. Uh, some really good conversations there. Watch the re-airs on HBO. Watch the bonus digital clips on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand, including me and Glazer talking about a little MMA at the end there. Uh, new episode next Wednesday, 10 p.m., and check out TheRinger.com. We had an unbelievable week of NFL content, pieces from uh, Kevin Clark, Danny Kelly, Chris Brown, Katie Baker, a big four-part preview from Robert Mays. Catch up on all that stuff and get ready for this season. And don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, we have Joe House, Rember Brown, and maybe even my dad coming up. Let's roll. Yeah. Clear enough for you. All right. <laughs> oh, it's literally Friday rolling. Literally. It's literally Friday rolling. Football's back! So that's Joe House. He's going to be with us all season. We're going to mix it up with the Friday podcast. I think I'm going to have like two or three guests every Friday, maybe even three. We're going to to veer around. Making a Friday rolling party. We, uh, Rember Brown's going to come in later to talk about Atlanta, my new favorite show. But now Joe House is going to talk about a flawed and a frustrating, but an entertaining sport, the National Football League, where Cam Newton was repeatedly targeted with hits, helmet-to-helmet hits that were supposed to be illegal. Uh, and Denver just did a great job. They went after him, they went after him, they went after him, they beat him up, they beat him up, they beat him up, and then they won the game. What'd you see, House? Uh, on the Cam Newton part, I it was hard to watch uh, in some of the... You know, slow mo after the hit moments. You could see the dude's eyes. Yeah. You know, he was heavy lidded. I was like, God, we were just here. We're all talking about this. You had uh, Malcolm Gladwell and D. Smith on. Uh, yeah, this week. Wednesday, Wednesday. Uh, exactly. I mean, very timely. And here it is, right in front of us on national TV in the in the in the kickoff game to the season. And all the stories I'm seeing this morning are about the headshots on Cam. I mean, we got to do something about this. Uh, I expected at the end of the game um, the one I don't remember the defensive player from Denver that that went, went directly head to head. I expected to see an ejection, yeah, uh, and they they ended up with an offsetting penalty. But you know the game came down to an oh no gano something I'm very familiar with as a as a Washington fan. We had oh no gano here in Washington for a very unsatisfying. Uh, Period and uh, you know it was a, I enjoyed the game, but um, the headshot stuff is just too much. Yeah, when the guy when the guy gets hit in the head and then he's just down on the ground on all fours for five to six seconds, I I don't think he's down there because like his back got tweaked. So the you know I I I'm gonna make a I'm making a executive decision. 
I, I don't I don't even want to talk about the head to head and all this stuff on 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 the pod anymore because I just think I don't think they're ever going to fix it. I don't think they really care. And if we're going to still watch the games and enjoy them and talk about them, this just seems to be part of the sport now. I, I don't know what else I can do. I keep having the conversation. Nothing nothing seems to happen. So now it's kind of on us, right? Either we can stop watching or we're condoning it by watching. I, I don't you, I don't really know what our role is here it. anymore. It's on us as the viewing public. Uh, I actually think you should keep talking about it. That's the way um, that that the conversation remains, you know, vital, and and that it's something that maybe the league will eventually get around to addressing. Um, but you know, you you just said it. The viewing public were all complicit in this uh, until the league's motivated to to do something dramatic um, to really take this aspect of the game out of the game because it's just not enjoyable to watch. It's hard no. to watch. You it's know? the biggest thing uh, that's. So, it's the biggest thing that's changed about football in the last six years is that it's turned us into soccer moms a little bit. We're watching these games and we're concerned about the welfare of the players. In 2008, I was not concerned. It was like, oh, what a hit. Oh. And it was that jacked up society. And, you know, if you go back and you watch the intros to some of the Madden games that they made, they'd make those three, four minute movie intros for uh, the new season of Madden. And the guys are just getting decapitated and annihilated on every hit. And now when you watch it, you know, I think we're so much more educated on the signs for somebody being concussed. I mean, even two years ago in the Super Bowl when Edelman got racked on one of those third down throws in the final drive, I I wasn't thinking about him being concussed. Like now I, I think I would recognize it better. And apparently he passed a test on the sideline, all that stuff. But there was a couple hits yesterday where we're just from from six seven years of looking for this stuff now it really seemed like cam got scrambled a little bit and they just kind of let it go and it was bizarre to watch i also wonder why i i would i think we would all agree that the helmet to helmet hits are the single most dangerous part of football i if it happens and the ref missed it why can't they review it why can't there be somebody in the booth who hits a button and says wait that was a helmet to helmet hit stop the game we got penalized, that guy. Why Why is it well, on know, the referees to like, oh, crap, I missed that. Sorry, I missed Cam getting decapitated. They have exactly that convention in college football. Yeah. They have somebody sitting up in the booth, and you can call uh, an after-the-fact penalty, uh, unsportsmanlike penalty, and I think you might even be able to uh, judge an ejection from upstairs in the booth if, if for, for targeting. Didn't um, you – did you I, – I, you know, I don't want to judge – I don't want to just say this happened, but it really felt like Denver was targeting him over the. I watched the whole game. Oh, I, I really felt like Denver. One of their plans was we're going to hit the fucking shit out of this guy. And oh my god, you just dropped an FS. I did. I dropped yeah, an FS. Yes, of course. My my my, my response is of course. He's the MVP of the league. He's the single most important player on Carolina. If he's not behind center for Carolina, your chances of winning the game are better. So, yes, I, I do think Denver was targeting him. They also have the luxury of, of an extraordinarily athletic defense. So they yeah. had lots and lots and lots of, of uh, opportunities by way of pressure from the front seven and the secondary to get in there and get – some open lines at, at, at cam that makes them unique. Uh, you know, I only think there are only two or three other defenses in the league um, that might be able to, to, you know, t- 
go go at Cam that way. But you know, one thing I was really impressed by Cam just kept taking those hits. He it was I mean, an was awesome incredible. Cam. It was I love Cam Newton. I I think he's Me becoming too. one of my favorite non-Boston athletes. I I just love that dude. He just kept getting up. So like, it was like, you know, and this is where the hypocrisy comes in because Diaz McGregor was one of the highlights of my summer, the second fight. And those guys were concussed 17 different times in that fight each. And I'm like, oh, what a fight. Oh, so, you know, it, it's just tough. There, there's these moral quandaries now with watching sports that I just don't. There's Hey, my wife made my wife decided to call early, even though I told her I had a podcast. Um, Sports that was wife. Good. Yeah, we should get that should be a sponsored segment on the show. When is my wife going to call and interrupt the podcast? Um, but um, that wasn't even the, the two two things. And then we'll move on. One is that that the cheapest hit that Denver did in that whole game wasn't even on Cam Newton. It was the play when the guy Kelvin Benjamin's jumping up for a pass with his back to the D back, and the guy just dove at his knees. He's trying to take out every ligament in both of Kelvin Benjamin's knees. I can't believe that's legal. I I, it, 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 I I don't like it. It was the only way Denver could defend Benjamin. Holy cow. Yeah, he was awesome. It looked like he could have had 20 catches and six touchdowns. You know, he, it made me think so like... bigger. Yeah, didn't it make you think like w- last year if they had him, I don't see how they don't win the Super Bowl. God, it they been might have won 16 games. I just, seriously, I, I it's like I totally forgot how good that guy was until I was watching last night. It's like when we were growing up, there was Harold Carmichael and the Eagles. And right. it's just kind of, the size he has is freaky. Um, yeah, it's, it's but, tight end size. But um, so that was one thing. And then the other thing is it's amazing to me that Cam cannot reach the line of scrimmage because he's about to take a vicious helmet to helmet hit from a defender. I'm not the first person to make this point. It's just, it's worth mentioning. Um, he, the ball does not make the line of scrimmage because he's about to get hit by a guy who's coming, who's launching himself at 20 miles an hour to hit him in the head. And the refs yeah. are like, you know what? Offsetting penalties. I think offsetting penalties, first of all, helmet to helmet hit should be 30 yard penalties. Now I'm, I've, I've been arguing this for 15 years. I don't know why 15 is the cutoff point for a penalty. Pass interference, you could have a 50-yard pass interference. A helmet-to-helmet where I'm trying to kill the quarterback, maybe that's worth 30 yards. Maybe it's worth 35. But tweak it and make and make a real penalty because right now, that's not really a penalty. You can do it once in a game. It's 15 yards. Just don't do it again. You get to stay in the game. Um, I, I just don't think the, the penalty fits the crime. You know? I... I... Uh, like I say, I expected that to be an ejection. I think it would have been an ejection in in college. The yeah. one thing I will say is I felt like karma-wise, it was payback for the bogus um, illegal hands-to-the-face call uh, that Denver had experienced on third down. For, no, it was you know, fourth down. Previous to that. It was fourth oh, and was 21. Fourth down, exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's and that's right. the thing. It's like, because you could come out and say, oh, they should have won because if Gano makes that kick. But the fourth and 21 hands in the face, that game was over. And, and uh, over. they lucked out. They pulled that one out. Um, all right. So what did we learn from this game? Everyone got excited about Trevor Simeon. I was stunned to watch Dungy and Harrison just going nuts about Simeon. He... He wasn't terrible. I think, at least I thought there was a chance he was going to completely shit the bed in this game. He didn't. He made a couple plays. He moved around. He looked semi-competent. I mean, he was at home. 
Um, he certainly didn't kill them or anything, but they, the reason they won the game was I thought their offensive line, you know, so the way they ran the ball and the, and the way they were able to kind of control Carolina's front seven was the reason they won the game. And yeah, I was really impressed. I thought, uh, Denver was due for, uh, a post Super Bowl hangover slash drop off. They looked to be in mid season form in terms of that offensive line controlling that line of scrimmage and rushing the ball. What a formula. If this is the Denver, if they stay healthy and Simeon can avoid, you know, hitting linemen in 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 the hands with, with balls uh, yeah. from you know that he's throwing, then uh Denver's looking pretty good. I like them at like 12, 13 wins maybe again. Because uh, that, that formula, that defense is right there. Mid-season form, um, control the game. And uh, the offense was effective. I was really impressed. I was really... Their offensive line is definitely better than it was last year. I was impressed that Simeon... That, I don't know if Peyton Manning handed this down to him. Almost like when somebody dies and in their will they give somebody like their their uh, coin collection or something. He handed down to Simeon um, his supernatural ability to throw interceptions that get dropped. And I really thought it was an <laughs> incredible gift that he gave to Trevor Simeon because what did the Panthers drop? Tate, how many interceptions the Panthers drop? Three? Yeah, at least three. Three? Like yeah. just like right in the hands? Like, yeah. oh, how did he not? So if he can keep that going all season, I think the sky's the limit for Denver. And... I think they only had like 300 total yards offense. They were down 17 to seven with 18 minutes to go. I wonder watching the Panthers, I'm not going to overreact to the Panthers because um, that's a tough spot to try to win Thursday night. I mean, they were favored. There's a little nobody believing us factor with Denver, all that stuff. Not having Josh Norman out there, it has to matter a little bit, right? If you're up 17, yeah, if you're up 17 to seven, and you had the same defense you had last year. I'm pretty sure that game's over. And I'm not. I'm not sure they had the same defense. I thought Denver did a little too much in that game. You know what I mean? They were. They they rallied all the way back. I mean, they were able to. to you know, you just made the point. They also had almost 200 yards in the first half. They they, they nearly equaled Denver did um, their entire yardage from scrimmage production as in the as they did in the Super Bowl in the in the first half. Um, but yeah, it was a different Carolina defense. Josh Norman does make a difference. We'll see whether or not he can make a difference for the DC Gruden's Monday night. So, all right, let me flip this around the other way. What if that game was a bad omen for the Carolina season? Big winner, Tampa Bay, right? Oh, you like Tampa Bay. I do like Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay, which, which, uh, which is going to bring us to our new segment that we're going to have this year. So Callaway... Um, they have the world's greatest irons, right? House, you've hit the Callaway irons. I played them yesterday, Daddy. Yeah, okay. Um, Callaway par three. Par three, you're going to hit irons. There's very, very rarely do you break out one of the woods in the in the par three. You're going to hit the irons. And, and the, you know, if you're using the Callaway clubs, you're blessed because they have the best irons I out there. Hit, so, I was four for four in, in greens on, on the par three. So we're going to go 18 rounds this year. It's... It's really a 17 week season, but I'm going to throw in as the as as either the 17th or the 18th hole. Whenever those NBA Christmas games are, we're going to pick three of those games. That's going to be that'll be our 18th hole. Oh, good times! Yeah, good times. Par three. What do you think we'll finish? So, 
you know, if it, let's let's say uh, there's 54 holes in all. So if you go 30 and 24, you're minus six for the round. What do you hope to have? What would be what would wow. be your dream score? My goal is to be minus 10, which would be. Oh, you beat me to it. That was going to be my number. Now, this will I'll say minus 11. I like a nice juicy minus, minus 11. 11. That's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. So what's that? 30. So that's 33 and 21. I don't. 43 11, and 11. You, you need a. You'd have to have a couple ties. Um, okay. 40, no, I mean, thir- right, right. 38. God, we're so stupid. We both graduated from college. You have a law degree. I have a master's degree. We can't, I can't do any math. I can't couldn't even figure yeah. out 38 and 20, 26. I don't know. Uh, all right. We're picking three games each. Try not to try not to bogey this first, this first, uh, this first whole house. Who do you have? I like the. San Diego Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I have okay. as, as a line the six and a half. Chargers getting six and a half. Is that consistent with what you're? Yeah, that seems it. It, it was a little higher and then it dropped because I think because of Jamal Charles, which is strange to me because I don't know how much they lose with Spencer Ware. Right, I'm, I have Spencer Ware on my lone remaining fantasy football team. Very excited about Spencer Ware. I am on one of my Um, team. I I like the Chargers this week. So a couple interesting things. Kansas City ended up 8-8 against the spread last season. And we remember their terrific tear. Ten wins. uh, A ten-win tear at the end. They only beat two winning teams in that that, uh, ten-game stretch. The Chargers last year, all they did was lose close games. Three and nine in games, one score or less. I like this little nugget that I uh, pulled out of the interwebs. Philip Rivers. Yeah. 10-2-1 and one as a road dog in divisional games. That's against the spread. Andy Reid, not a great record against the spread in home openers. 5-9-1. and one. I like the Chargers getting the six and a half. Is there going to be a test at the end of this podcast where I have to answer those questions? So if I read it's five nine one, I, no, I'm teasing you. Um, I, I, I like uh, to use some numbers, you know. No, I, I like, can't do math. Those but are I like good the numbers. numbers. The, the Rivers number is a really good number because he, I can't tell you how many times he's chapped my ass in a in a road division game where he That's either. It. They're down ten. He does like one of those Phil Rivers drives at the end. All of a sudden, he's he's waving his hands, and you're like, "Wait a second, am I about to lose my three team teaser here?" I that's, I, that's I, Phil Rivers, the ass chapper. I think Sal and I talked about this this week. San Diego has the worst home field advantage in the league, but they're actually a little frisky on the road. They're actually it's better for them to be on the road than at home in some ways because at home, it's a two thirds filled crowd, and. You know, you have 15,000 fans for the other team, and I think it bums them out, and it's a depressing stadium, and they might move. And I think their season's going to go south, but this is the week where I could see them getting a little frisky. I, I think it's a stay away. Um, but that's, so you're staying away, but I'm taking the Chargers. That's fine. Half. My first one is I got the Bucks to, uh, plus two and a half at Atlanta. I like the Bucks. I'm in on the Bucks. I made the case earlier this week. I'm a big believer in slim down Jameis. I love storylines. I could see Jameis going 10 and 6, 11 and 5, everybody getting fired up about him. Every year there's like a new breakthrough star that everyone gets fired up about who either was already good and, and the general public just didn't know or somebody that just kind of makes the leap. 
And my two guys this year are Jameis in the NFC. And even though he's already great and people know he's great, Khalil Mack, I think this is the year that he moves into that J.J. Watt kind of when people are rattling off like the greatest defensive players. It's him, J.J. Watt, and he's not being mentioned like that right now. I bet on him to win defensive player of the year. I like that Raiders team too. Um, But I don't like Atlanta. I don't – I I went into like September thinking, oh, Atlanta, comeback year, you know, Dan Quinn – and, it, you know, you look at uh, some of the injuries they've had, um, some of the moves they've made, some failed draft picks. It's just and, – and Matt Ryan just might not be good, and I just don't see it. And I think I think Tampa is going to be the sleeper team in that division. So I have Tampa two and a half. What's your next pick? Well, this is great because my next pick is the Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half. Oh, the fantastic. Yeah, daddy. Make the case. <laughs> Let's do it to it. Now listen, I agree with you on Jameis. I actually like Tampa Bay quite a bit this season. I, too, think they're frisky. And in our uh, win total pool that we did, I know you and Sal talked about it this week, I thought long and hard about taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the place where I selected the New York football Jets. Yeah. Um, Because all of the things that you just mentioned about Tampa I think are intriguing. However... In this instance, one little factoid I enjoy about the Atlanta Falcons and particularly Matty Ice. Matty Ice, 8-0. That is eight wins, no losses in home openers, straight up and against the spread. I like very much that the Falcons, uh, all the weapons on the offensive side of the ball are all healthy. We have a healthy Julio Jones. Uh, last year, I thought Tampa he wasn't healthy. Swept you sure he's healthy? He's I thought playing. he was a little banged up. I know he's playing, but I thought he was banged up this week. But keep going. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to research it as you as, talk. He's, he's cleared. He's playing cleared. means healthy he's cleared. to me. Um, I like I liked the angle of Atlanta having been swept last year by Tampa, coming mm. in with uh, revenge. And I'm they the lost opposite. by a combined I, I, seven points. I'm the opposite. I think Jameis is going to this game. Like, I own Atlanta. I'm up to nothing. It could be. It could be. The, the I just like the idea of getting the Falcons uh, covered with a field goal at home, and, and this line looks exactly perfect to me, and that's why I'm selecting the Atlanta Falcons. The best case for Atlanta is that this is the year of Atlanta because there's finally a good TV show about Atlanta. You have Dwight Howard going back to Atlanta, and you have the rejuvenation of Matty Ice. I don't know. Well, it's, look, I, I, I can see in Cleveland, it. anything's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. All right, my next pick. <laughs> Ravens, minus three at home over the Buffalo Bills, who have Marcel Darius out. They're missing a bunch of guys. I'm not sold on Rex Ryan. I don't love the team. The Ravens are the, the actual definition of a sleeper because nobody's having conversations about whether the Ravens are going to be good or not. If you actually look at what they did, it's a veteran team. They have a lot of older guys. They kind of roll the dice, and they're hoping all these different older stars are going to stay healthy. Well, in week one, they're all going to be healthy. I just like the matchup. I, I, I think this is going to be one of those where we come out of week one and go, wow, why were they only favored by three over that maybe not good Bills team? So I'm grabbing them. And also, Baltimore, really good at home. Uh, even last year when when they had a shitty season, like they were in all of those games. Remember how many yeah, games they almost the won? Or, you know. That's right. A ton of, of single score, you know, lost by one score or less 
um, for the Ravens. They were in, you know, a whole slew of those those games. I like that that um, pick. I'm not. That's not my selection, but I also like that that angle that you just uh, took on the Ravens. Thanks. I I think I just put that one about five feet next to the hole with my Callaway four iron. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out nice to Jeff Newbar. Yard par three. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Newbarth and integrated advertising. Yeah. Woohoo! No, we're we love we love any, Callaway. We're not taking the Dolphins. We love Callaway. All right, go do your third we one. We do. By the way, we should mention Callaway sponsors Shaq like House. The, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like the Chicago Bears getting six at Houston. Oh, I, interesting. Uh, don't believe that Houston should be favored by six over anybody at this point in the season. Uh, I think we. The, the the last taste everybody has in their mouth is the thirty to zero drubbing that they um, took in the in the playoffs last year. They backed into the playoffs. Yeah. They were atrocious in the first half of of last season. The Bears front seven much improved. Houston's offense, we'll say that it's in transition. I mean, they finally have a a quarterback that looks like a game manager, but we haven't showed us anything yet. And that's really where this is coming from. The Bears were good on the road last year. Another team that that competed, a lot of single-score losses, good against the spread on the road. Jay Cutler with new some new blood, Kevin White along with Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Jeremy Langford at, at running back. I'm, I'm, I'm just... The, the the Bears I think are are uh, in a seven to nine to eight and eight kind of slot this year, and I don't think Houston deserves to be favored by so much. This is a, a play on the number. I like the Bears getting the six. A compelling case. My take is I have the Texans winning the AFC South. If they can't beat a non-playoff NFC team at home in Week One, then I, then I shouldn't pick them to win the AFC South. So I can't back you on the Bears. Uh, it's okay. I like the points. That's that's really the angle for me. I had four games that I liked for this third spot. And, oh. And with apologies to the Raiders, plus one and a half. With apologies to the Lions, plus three and a half in Indianapolis. And with apologies to the Rams, who I don't even know what that line is now, in San Francisco against Blaine Gabbert and Chip Kelly, who got completely taken down by Chris Brown on the ringer today. And if you read that piece, it's going to be very hard for you to pick any Chip Kelly offense uh, in any gambling pool for at least a couple weeks. So with apologies to all those teams, I am taking the Washington Native Americans plus three and a half at home against the Steelers of Pittsburgh. Uh, Not totally sure why everyone's penciling in Pittsburgh as the second best team. I could see them getting in the playoffs. A lot of respect for Roethlisberger. Good skill position, guys. Talent on both sides of the ball. I get it. But I like Washington. Like, if they if they can't at least come within three points in week one against Pittsburgh at home with all the weapons they have offensively, um, and Kirk Cousins, I like that. I like it, Kirk Cousins. You like that? You like that, Kirk Cousins? Well, I like that, Kirk Cousins. Um, I, just I like think that, Kirk Cousins. This feels like a three-point game to me. And I think Washington could win. I'm grabbing the extra half point. Uh, I think the crowd will be pumped. My only fear is that because it's because we've seen this happen before to the Washington professional football team, the 20,000 Steeler fans that might be in attendance for oh, this no. game could be bad. You don't think that's oh, going to no. happen? Oh, it's going to happen. The terrible towels. They're going to be showing that, that yeah. crowd. There's going to be a lot of these yellow towels being so that worries I don't, me. Maybe, maybe, maybe dancing Dan, Danny Snyder... Uh, 
has something up his sleeve to combat the towels. You can't have 20,000 yellow towels swirling around. Maybe we got some white towels or some red towels coming for Monday night. I uh, very much, I'm very bullish on on the D.C. Gruden's this year, um, but I, I have a hard time being rational about it. I can't keep it in my pants. I like it too much, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm staying away because I just need to, to get tempered. Okay. Um, I have my expectations tempered a little bit here by watching them get punched in the mouth a couple times. So I also like the half point, but I'm irrational about the D.C. Gruden's. Yeah, so... Here's the one thing I'll say. Every week I'm going to have, there's one game that I'm just going to pick because the line looks wrong to me. This line looks wrong to me. I don't understand why Pittsburgh's favored by three and a half points in Washington. I don't get it. I, w- I would have guessed if maybe if Pittsburgh's favored like minus one, but three and a half, that's a, that's a pretty big number. Um, and and I, I just don't think these two teams are that far apart. And I really like Cousins. I, I think... I, I'm in. I, I think he's competent. I think he's good he, in a in a Carson Palmer type of way. Before Carson Palmer, uh, his career ended in January. That before that Carson Palmer. Um, well, we'll see. Joe Hello. House. Joe House. Thanks for hey. play, thanks for playing the Callaway Part Three with me. We will talk to you next Friday. Yeah, can't wait. Quick break to talk about NFL Sunday Ticket TV. If you're a diehard NFL fan who can't get DirecTV where you live, we have good news. You can still watch football games on Sunday without a satellite. For just $49.99 a month, you can stream games using your favorite device. It could be your phone. It could be your iPad. It could be your laptop. It could be your Samsung, whatever. You name it. You could watch NFLSundayTicket.tv on that device without a satellite. And if you're a college student, there's an exclusive deal. Get NFL Sunday ticket for only $24.99 a month. And right now, our listeners get 10% off when using the promo code RINGER. So go to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code R-I-N-G-E-R today. Hey, FYI, football starts this weekend. If you're going to do this, I would do this this weekend. 17 weeks of football coming up. Check it out. NFLSundayTicket.tv. All right. Former Grantlander. Current New York Magazine writer at large, um, my friend Rembert Brown. This is the year of Atlanta. Maybe Joe oh, House. Joe House just. God. Are we talking about, uh, oh. <laughs> we talking about um, the uh, Falcons? Well, Joe House just picked the Falcons <laughs> as one of his three picks in the Callaway Par Three. Dwight Howard is back oh, in Atlanta, and now Atlanta finally has a TV show that captures. Um, the city, it's hot. It's one of the hot new uh, new comedies, big FX. Is it a comedy, dramedy, or whatever it is? Um, dramedy, yeah. Atlanta might be back. Atlanta. Uh, no? Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I will, I will arg- always argue that um, we haven't left since, like, <laughs> 2002. <laughs> but... Um, no, we, we we were in a little bit of a slump. I mean, you know, we all Atlanta always has. I think we always have music like in our back pocket. Yeah, as being a thing that keeps us relevant. Um, the hip hop, but no, this the show is, is is. I mean, I I it's, the show is amazing, and I'm and I was I was I think people I was talking to a couple people because I wrote about uh, Glover Donald Glover and 
a couple people were like, well, like, of course you like it. It's about Atlanta. And my, my initial response was like, my, I was initially terrified because I was, I was nervous that he wasn't going to do a good job. And then I'm stuck with a show called Atlanta. That's yeah. terrible. Right. And so that was, I, I was actually not excited uh, or was at, at, at the at the least worried that this could go terribly wrong, and then I end up, you know, having to do damage control like I had to do with Real Housewives of Atlanta and every other VH1 reality show about Atlanta. <laughs> so it being good was actually a really uh, not necessarily a surprise, but a relief. And then when I found it was really good, then I was like, oh, we're winning right now. This is great. Yeah, I would say you had more at stake with this show than pretty much everyone except for FX and Donald Glover. It's almost like if somebody released a show called Rembert. It it just yeah I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think I would have gotten blamed for it, and I was like, I don't even work for the show. But if it was bad, some people would start yelling at me, and because I just it's so yeah, I am. I, I am excited. I've been talking to my friends. You know, I think, you know, I gave some of my friends from home just a very early warning. Like, hey, it's actually really good. But they were still skeptical. And during the premiere, because they did the first two episodes, I was getting just texts from people. Because there are lots of very local, you know, the show is for anyone. and But there are some very little local um gyms throughout uh throughout the show be it geographically or someone doing something in this type of restaurant or blah 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 that do make it very fun if you actually are from the city so give me well done donald glover yeah give me like give me like two or three of those little little tiny things that only you would get or anyone from atlanta would get so in the second and the biggest one for me uh, when they're when the when the rapper uh, Paperboy and and his friend are out of jail and they're they're having wing, they're eating wings. Yeah. Uh, did you, you, you the the place is uh, the place is JR Crickets, which is a very Atlanta uh, wing spot, and they are famous for having just good wings, but they have these lemon pepper wings that are. I actually, I, I've seen people like get in fights over <laughs> someone eating someone's wings because they're so good. And so for that, for for the scene, like for that scene to take place in that in that wing spot, and to have those type of wings be a very a, a focal point, like that's a funny scene, I think, regardless. But for it to it to take place in a Jar Cricket, I was like, that is. That is great. That is great. Like it, it's it's one of those things that you know, it's it's good to have. You know, it's good to have like a writing staff that some of the people are from Atlanta, some aren't. Right. You know, I, I think the show. I think the show would suffer a little bit if you know you had six people all from the same neighborhood in Atlanta because you would be looking at it through one lens but to have to have people from with different experiences all from some from the same city some not from the city you know one of the 
one of the actors went to college in Atlanta. So a lot of people touch it in very different ways, and I think all of that. And then some people, like the director and one or two of the writers, have very little experience with the city. I think all of that is important for give from most city, but also if you're not from Atlanta, you've never been, and this is really your first taste of it. It also is interesting. So I, uh, you know, from I'm happy with it. From my vantage point, um, I tried to read nothing. I wanted to go in blind. Yeah. I want to know in as li- I want to know as little as I possibly could about the show. I thought it was going to be an hour because it was listed as an hour in my DVR, but it was actually two half hour episodes, which I wasn't expecting. But um, yeah. the things that jumped out for me, Donald Glover is so likable. He's funny, but he's not. He's not traditionally funny. He's kind of a puss but he's he's strong at the same time like he's thoughtful uh-huh. but he's dumb he's all these all these contradictions in the same character and I'm just rooting for him the whole time and I'm not positive why I didn't really have a, a yeah. lot of background with him as an actor so he's totally fresh for yeah. me um and I just liked him I was in within 5 minutes I'm rooting for him and then the guy who played Paperboy I thought um I just think he's great the the sidekick guy was great the uh, the fact that Clay Davis is Donald Glover's dad in this show, yeah. it took me like ten <laughs> seconds to. I was like, wait a second, oh, no. oh Clay Davis. Yeah. Um, I I love that. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, like a, that's a very under, underrated part of the show. Yeah, and just just being like, yeah, you can't come in the house. So we no, just get out of here. <laughs> like they're just they're really dry. I, I love it. And then um, you know, I thought the jail scene. Especially the scene when he's sitting between the the crazy guy and the girl who turns out not to be a girl, and Donald Glover's in the middle of it, and the guy just keeps getting mad at him. And I didn't know yeah. where it was going, and I don't even fully know how to describe that scene. But about three minutes into it, I'm like terrified this guy's going to just start assaulting Donald Glover, and that that's when I realized I loved this show because I was really petrified for him the same way I would be petrified for one of my kids or something. So I don't know how he pulled it off. I don't even know how to fully describe this show. I don't, it's definitely not a comedy. It's definitely not a drama. I don't really know what it is, but it's unlike any show I've ever seen. Yeah. I think, I think the reason that it works is because it has moments that straight up are as funny as, as any moment in a comedy and has, moments that are as dramatic as any drama but it's it's almost it's almost as if it's a it's a pendulum where as soon as it starts to have a couple uh moments that are back to back to back funny something will happen yeah super dramatic and serious and heavy and it'll bring it back and then they'll start going the other way and then you'll have a very you'll have a really serious scene and then something funny will happen, and then so it keeps you. You don't really know, and all that can ha- that can happen probably seven or eight times. I mean, that happened. That happened probably that back and forth probably happened five six times within the two big jail scenes. I mean, within right. the you have. I mean, you have the thing with with the guy, uh, you know, spitting water at the police officer and getting beat. You know, like that was not like you don't you don't see that coming. And you, no. you, 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 you know, like you're, you're beginning to like, but the thing that the reason that I think the show works is that, okay, you take a step back, that moment happens 
and you know it's it, it you ha- you have a scene with someone doing something like a black person in jail doing something very minor clearly with a mental health issue doing something gets beat by a cop you know that is in a tv show in a very uh specific time in history when a lot of yeah stuff is going on but they don't it's not heavy-handed. Like it just happens, and then they never refer to it again. It's not like they're trying to make really some point about you know. Like it's not like after that happens, like the the people in the room have a big conversation about it, and it's like, dang, like that happened. Like life is crazy. Life is messed up. It's just like it. It's 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 being topical, but it's not being. It's not like oh, this is the police brutality episode. So right. like, you know, which is like, which is very much the thing that happens in a lot of TV shows. I think we've gotten used to it where, you know, when people really want to, when shows really want to be topical or be sensitive to an issue, it, it's, it's a thing that they spend the entire episode on or, you, you know, it, it's, it's very much a thing. I think throughout the show, there's, it's like, we're just going to highlight we're going to highlight things that happen because a lot of things are happening, but we're going to keep it moving. It's not, it's, yeah. I mean, it, I, so, so in that, that's something where it's like, I, that makes it a show that I haven't seen before because shows that do try to tackle or address certain things, they, there's, there's a level of self-importance about it that so far, you know, I've seen, I've seen a good amount of it. So like it, it does really um, hit on a lot of topical issues in society, but it's not. It's it's often done very quickly, and sometimes it's done super seriously. Sometimes it's done super funny. It's hard, but they they kind of nailed it. So, do we think this Donald Glover might might actually really be special? Like this is this is somebody that might have a a twenty five year run here of just coming up with great stuff. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean he's. I mean, you know. I mean he. He's a. He, he's found a way to be a successful person in Hollywood and successful in music. You know that alone is something that a handful of people have successfully right. pulled off. Yeah, that's a, that's a so short just, list right there. There's that's like seven people. Yeah. Yeah. So like that alone, it gives you. Uh, gives you a, a long shelf life, like a long <laughs> uh, a, the, the potential to have a long career. But it, it really seems that he hasn't he hasn't really he hasn't really cashed in on either yet. Like, hasn't really done the thing that makes it seem like he's peaked. I mean, I, I think I think there was a world where you kind of thought maybe Community was the high point. Well, but he's young though, right? And isn't he? Isn't he like a year older than you? Yeah, he's like he's, I think he's thirty-two. Oh, so he's, yeah, two years older than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but I mean, there, I mean, there's a world. I mean, there are a lot of people who, you know, are on a are on a a long sitcom. Yeah. And while they're on that long sitcom, aren't you know become known for one role that that can that can often be a great thing and then the thing that kind of ends up being your whole career. Right. You get pigeonholed so, by it. What do you, what did you think yeah. of, uh, 
first of all, I, I, I actually enjoy the Paperboy song, even though I know it's supposed to be like yeah. a like a tiny bit cheesy. But I think <laughs> I think for where you have a rapper where you have to create a name for the rapper that feels realistic, a song that becomes a hit that feels realistic, and then the actor himself has to not only seem like somebody who could become famous, but somebody that I'm just going to become attached to. Those are yeah. three really hard things to do. And Paperboy <laughs> yeah. is it Paperboy is kind of a great name. Like it's about as good as you're going to get yeah. for a TV show for a fake rapper name. So I, I as soon as the first episode was over, I had I had an email from a, a kid I went to college with and all it said was I need that Paperboy MP3 at now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's kind of good. Like, I it is. Kinda, I would kind of throw it on a playlist like, right now. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and I, I think that's, that's the beauty of, you know, having like a really small, tight-knit, writer's room but also people you know i mean donald glover glover and his, and his brother and some of the other people in the room they're in the business of also in the business of making music so yeah it it it's that's another thing that they have going in their favor like they I actually mean, had to make a song they had to make a song that could have just been uh that that could have been a song from an atlanta rapper that some that actually blew up a little bit <laughs> like that's i mean that's that is that song is that song is the type of song that in the right and that has that has come out of atlanta and just kind of become a little hit but it's hard it's it is that that could have been something that you're not hearing the song all the time but that could have been something if it was a non-believable song could have yeah could have sunk really the, show. the show from the jump and that's yeah. the thing. It's a, and that's why it's it's so impossible to make a good TV show because there's so many different ways the show can get fucked up. Like, you know, you, Entourage season one. I, I I thought Entourage season one was actually a good season, but it could never get past yeah. the fact that Vince wasn't believable as a Leo DiCaprio type. It just could never get yeah. past it, and it was always the the albatross. And the anchor that held down that show is I never believed that he was an A-list star. Whereas in this show, I totally believe that this guy could could rise from obscurity and, you know, from an Atlanta gas station to becoming like one of the biggest hip hop stars over the course of this first season because he's believable and the songs and the song is good. So anyway, um Yeah, and, yeah. Quickly, um Atlanta's tortured history in pop culture <laughs> what this is clearly now the pop culture highlight i would say or it's up there what else what else is on that list for you well you know i have a i have a theory that that i that i bring up every time atlanta loses a sporting event that we're cursed because of, we did something to get the olympics yeah and we're we're in the we're in the still in the early stages of a hundred year curse i think this begins to make up for the fact that Atlanta never got the real world for some reason. How did Atlanta and, never? Oh my God! I just realized that. How did Atlanta never get the real world? What happened? I, 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 I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like there are there, there are garbage cities that have gotten it twice. 
And Atlanta has never gotten it. And it is it is the single rudest thing that has happened in my entire life. I think I, I generally think people are like, if we take the real world to Atlanta, it might be the last real world because something might happen. I don't they, know. If they took it to I Vegas. If they take it to Vegas <laughs> twice, they can't take it to Atlanta once. It's, 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 I, I, I've been I've been seething about this my whole my entire life. Anyway, I think you know. I again, it's like most. I, I feel like Atlanta's pop culture highlights have been uh, Real Housewives. Most of them in the well, yeah. You have like the Real Housewives, like beloved hip hop. Like you have all those things that genuinely do drive me insane because when they began happening, people were like, "Oh, like oh, so this is what Atlanta's like." Right. And I would <laughs> not that great. Would, that would make that would make me, that would make me lose my mind. I have um, one. I have one for you. That's that's an Atlanta pop culture highlight. The home of Inside the what? NBA, the best studio show of all time. I would that say Barkley, Barkley, Kenny, and Ernie being in Atlanta, and then Barkley going out afterwards, you know, in Buckhead and all these other places yes. is probably your highlight. That is true. I, 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 those first couple of years, I would get little notes of people telling me stories about Barkley and Shaq out, out, <laughs> show. Just, just terrorizing Buckhead. So you, you mean like last week? I, what do you mean like a couple years ago? <laughs> <laughs> that's still happening. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not past it. That's, <laughs> that's literally about to happen. Um, but also, um, I'd say, I feel like the Welcome to Atlanta video, like the song and the music video, yeah, was a big thing because that was that was that was genuinely that was, was that like two thousand two thousand one that was. That began like a streak of very, like very big Atlanta songs, but also Atlanta music videos that were in Atlanta that were <clears throat> beginning to, you know, <clears throat> paint this very visual tapestry of what Atlanta looked like, which, you know, was occasionally grimy and occasionally like very ritzy and occasionally very normal, which I think is pretty much the city and. I do think, you know, I I, I think, it, I t- and I talked to Donald about this. Like I, I talked, I, I was telling him that it's a it's a big it's a big risk to not even have the show about Atlanta, but name in Atlanta because so many there hasn't been a defining uh, work about the city, but they're they're depending on the lens that you get pop culture from and sports from and music from, you have a very specific idea of what Atlanta is. And most of them are kind of wrong. So he almost, the show almost has this responsibility of actually doing right by the city and showing, showing like the, the, the true sides of it, not just, the the side that you know makes a music video interesting or makes a reality television show interesting or you know what you see what you see at a at a at a Hawks game with Raptors there or a Falcons game or Braves like all that stuff there's so many different things to to like, I mean I think it was really like important that his character worked at the airport because that's one of people's very <laughs> real connections to Atlanta the Atlanta airport right. You know, like that's and that's a place that a lot of people in Atlanta work at. Uh, but it's a great airport. A lot of, 
Yeah, but a lot of my life, people are, oh, yeah, I've been to Atlanta once. I went to the airport. Like, that is a very common uh, connection to the city. So just even, like, little stuff like that, it's like, okay, like, this has been really thought through. This so you really, have... Um, really, 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 really thought through. So I Googled to prepare for this podcast. I Googled movies, Atlanta movies, basically. Oh, <laughs> you Googled... I thought you just Googled movies. No, I Googled <laughs> movies, um... It's amazing how little comes up. Like the blind side comes up. I never felt like that was an Atlanta movie. I guess it was filmed in Atlanta. Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Drumline. Well, a ton of movies. Are... Drumline's an Drum, Atlanta oh, movie. So, Drumline is Drumline and like ATL. Like those are big. But like right. Drumline is Drumline is a huge Atlanta movie. Because one Drumline's on TV every day. How does uh, how does history remember uh, how does history remember ATL because that was ten years ago? History remembers ATL a lot better than one would expect. I mean, it's just again both of those movies, but especially ATL, they are so connected to what was going on, like in music. Yeah, at that time, like ATL, that was that was when TI was very much like at the top of the music industry. That's when. Uh, so you have like you have you have a soundtrack to that to that movie that's within the movie that uh, I think you know for some people is a very nostalgic movie. It's I mean it's <clears throat> I think I think people from Atlanta uh, that that's one uh, ATL is one of those movies that depending on where you grew up in the city it either is very true and representative because it's about something that that was very big in Atlanta at a certain time, which is like roller skating. Yeah. And then other people, if you grew up in a different part of Atlanta, are like, I have no idea why there's a movie called ATL about roller skating. You know, I remember uh, that being like a very interesting to, to uh, kind the, of the sad thing for you yeah. is that the most successful pop culture thing that's ever happened in Atlanta is the walking dead, which is about the zombie apocalypse. Uh, and like you know, I don't care about that. That's a show. That's technically an Atlanta uh, show, The Walking Dead. I know <laughs> everyone's dead, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <It sucks. laughs> hey, last yeah, thing. Oh, oh, uh, oh, go ahead. Also, Tyler Perry. Also, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Like Tyler Perry okay. is literally like is building like his own Hollywood in Atlanta, and most of his things are based at, like so for. You know, it's interesting because so much stuff is shot in Atlanta. Like because yeah, there's some, it's cheap. I, I, yeah, it's cheap. So you know, like like the Hunger Games was shot in Atlanta. Like this, but very few places use it as a uh, use it as like a the backdrop of the actual show or movie. But yeah, The Walking Dead being in Atlanta has always made me sad. Let's take a quick break to talk about Wi-Fi. Everyone I have in my life hates their Wi-Fi in some way. And it's probably because most of them have a single router model. And it's simple physics. It's like light waves. Light waves don't go through walls. They don't go up and down staircases. They have a limit. Wi-Fi is the same thing, which is why I wanted to tell you about Eero. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your house in minutes with their app. It comes with enough memory and power to zap Wi-Fi to every part of your house. It's also protected with state-of-the-art encryption so you're always secure. They have great customer support. They have a one-year warranty. We put Eero in our house and it's fantastic. 
the entire house is covered. Find out why it's rated 4.4 stars on Amazon. And for free overnight shipping, visit ero.com, E-E-R-O.com. And at checkout, select overnight shipping and enter code BS to make it free. Don't use range extenders. Don't use old school Wi-Fi. Have Wi-Fi all over your house. Get Eero. That's Eero.com, code BS, E-E-R-O.com. Last two things, quick. Uh, second to last thing. Rembert's mom's thoughts on Atlanta, the, the show. She hasn't seen it yet. Uh, I'm going to see her next week, and I think we're going to watch a couple episodes. I'm 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 excited for her take. Uh, I think she. I think I actually think she's going to like it. Uh, and you know, my mom is a uh, my mom is a law and order criminal minds yeah. uh, NCIS type person. You know, God bless her. So uh, we'll see if I can get her or and slash and like a Shondaland person. So. See if I can get her into it. Last thing. Have you talked yourself into the Dwight Howard area yet? Uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of have. And it's because I've, I've decided that people deserve 19th chances. And <laughs> for some reason, this, this, this nonsense propaganda that's being thrown my way of showing Dwight make like three free throws in a row is actually working on me. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, Oh, like, like Dwight, like every moment that Dwight's in the gym is the moment that he's not at a strip club. And that makes me excited because it makes me think that his head is in the right place. Uh, I, I don't know. The Hawks are in, this is now somehow the Hawks are now the, the team of Bazemore. I feel like he's about to be the star of Atlanta, like just the whole city. He's about to be the king of Atlanta, and and I think <clears throat> the fact that this isn't no one's thinking about the Hawks as Dwight's team. Yeah, I think is a good thing for all parties, Dwight included, because there is someone very likable that everyone in the city really likes in this dude Bazemore and it, it, it allows you to it basically allows you to forget that Dwight Howard's on the like on the Hawks I keep forgetting you keep forgetting and, all the free throws you're about to watch him miss <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like I I think I think in the back of his mind he knows that the moment he begins to be the Dwight Howard of old, which is like a bad teammate and like not good on a in a franchise on a blind, like not a likable guy, like the city, the city that 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 made him will just turn on him and destroy him. And I think he knows that he like it's one thing to be like that in other places, but to come home and do it is. It's like a sin. Like he won't be able to like go places. <clears throat> like people would just people would just hate him everywhere. But he knows that if he if he does right, that doesn't even mean he like has an MVP season. Just like is is a professional for an entire season and it gets rebounds and tries hard and and is a likable person. That's which is like a very low bar for a professional. Yeah. Just do your job. I think he knows that we'll all We'll all just love him. I'll, I'll forget. I'll forget everything. New last has a as a as a good season. I'll forget everything. New last question: Which 
Atlanta athlete gives you lower self-esteem as you defend them, Matt Ryan or Dwight Howard? Oh, man. God, this just turned into like a... You lured me in to talk about a show, and now I'm just depressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, God, like my psyche by Atlanta sports is so dark. Like, I... I've convinced myself that because I drafted Matt Ryan in fantasy football because oh, no. I hate myself. Oh, my I, God. <laughs> I, um, I, I think he's going to have a good season. Oh, no. For no other reason oh, because no. he had he's had such bad seasons. Like It's, <laughs> it's like video game rules where if like you start to do bad, the video game starts to make you like, – like makes you – like complete passes and make three pointers from the other side of the court again, just to, yeah. to bring you back. I just think, like, if Matt Ryan had a good season last year, I'd be like, oh no. So He's it's like a reset button this year. All right. Yeah. So I think it's like, okay, this was this, this has gone bad. Hickey's like, like no one, no one is, no one is expecting Matt Ryan to do great things, which are, which have been the moments where he's just suddenly become like a top. Eight quarterback again, so I'm I'm hoping that that he just decides maybe him and Dwight get lunches or something, and they kind of they kind of pull each other up. I don't know. What's it's amazing, all, you know, it's all delusional. Yeah, what's amazing is you made basically the same kind of half-assed case for Dwight and for Matt Ryan at the same time. You insulted them as you were, <laughs> as you gave yourself hope. <laughs> you talked about them turning it around, but that you also didn't believe they would, but you but you also believe they might. And I don't know, maybe they're linked I mean, together. The, the only the only thing that's going that's going right for me right now is I came into this season, this baseball season the last season of the Atlanta Braves in the city of Atlanta before they move out to the Burbs, yeah. saying, I hope that karma is real and they just have a terrible season and are like the worst team in baseball. And it just a- absolutely came true. Congratulations Bears, for that, at least. The Braves, the Braves are... It, it, I, I've gotten to the point where the best thing that's happening in my sports life is that the Braves were as bad as I wanted them to be. This is a very dark time for me. It's a and, very dark time. And you're, and, you're, and you're two months away from losing your favorite family, the Obamas. Although I think, oh, I have a feeling, I have a feeling <laughs> Sasha. This is the worst podcast. <laughs> so sad. I, I hate this. <laughs> I have a feeling Sasha and Malia are going to continue to be in our lives, though. It seems like they're spreading their wings a little bit. I'm excited. I mean, Malia is the best. Malia is. I, I will. I, I'm at a point right now where, like, there, there's these kids who are, are clearly like snitches in Malia's life and are taking pictures of her when she's being a teenager. Right. And I, I feel like I'm. I'm going to spend the next four or five years just doing recon, like doing research to find out who these kids are. And then when they get like to be in their 20s, I'm just going to like fight them. Like, One I'm going to the find time. them and I'm going to fight them. Like Liam Neeson had <laughs> yeah, taken. Yeah, I'm going to basically Neeson. I'm going to be Neeson. And I'm going to like, I'm just going to dedicate my life to finding the people that have been snitching on Malia uh, this summer. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I, you know, that, that, I think that's that's my my truest career trajectory. It's just defending the Obama girls 
without them ever asking me or knowing. I'm just like, this is someone has to do this. It's so rude. Well, it's so rude. The Liam Neeson of the Obama family, Rembert Brown. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, good luck with Dwight and Matt Ryan, and uh, congrats on a possible Atlanta resurgence. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. All right. Before we call my dad, I'm starting to get a little hungry, which is why it hurts to do this next read for Blue Apron, because Blue Apron makes me hungry. It's delicious. And it's your best excuse to stop wasting money on expensive takeout. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron will deliver you all the fresh ingredients you need for a delicious and healthy home-cooked meal. They have the highest standards for ingredients. They build a community of home chefs that has no rival. Some of their meals available in September include paprika spiced shrimp and cheddar grits with tomato, tomato and sweet corn. Or spicy chicken stir-fry with baby bok choy and sesame ginger cucumber salad. Right now, get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash BS. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. And now here's my dad. All right. We'd be remiss if we didn't start the 2016 NFL season without uh, briefly calling my dad. For his thoughts on the New England Patriots season, Dad, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, how you feeling? Eleven wins, twelve wins, thirteen wins, nine wins. Where are you? Uh, I'm at twelve wins. Twelve wins. Okay. Twelve wins. I, I, you know, we. I know Arizona is going to be really tough on Sunday night, but then we have three home games, and uh, I can see us going three and one before Brady comes back. And actually, I, I almost would say thirteen and three. Wow! Um, confident. I am confident. I I like this team. I I think it might be the best defense we've had in a long, long time. And uh, you know, as, as you and I always talk about, it comes down to health. You know, we have we have players that they're not even sure if Gronkowski is going to play because of the hamstring. It's things like that that make it hard to predict. But if we're reasonably healthy and we don't have the major injuries we seem to have had the last three or four years, I like twelve or thirteen wins. Are you going to less confident? Are you going to miss Chandler Jones? He was one of your most frustrating all. Patriots. You know, I I read something in the paper today, and I I just a hundred percent agree with it. You know, the first eight games of the season. He plays hard. The last eight games of the season, you never hear his name. And God forbid he, sh- he shows up in a big game because he never did. Yeah. You know, he, he, did he ever get to the quarterback in a game where we, we really needed him to get to the quarterback? I can't remember any game. And so Dominic, I'm not going to miss him at all. And Dominic Easley was never on the field. You were complaining about him before he even played a game. I, I was. I, those are the two players I really, you know, I didn't appreciate how they disappeared when you really needed them to come through, like like a couple of players did last night in the fourth quarter for Denver. You know, Jones and Easley, they never did that. I, I like who, and, and it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw that Arizona has him playing outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, as, as opposed to defensive end. So, uh, I just the, the guy just never did it for me. But I, I like our defense. I mean, I 
Don't you? Don't you? Aren't you? Don't you have a lot of confidence in this defense? I don't love the. Healthy? I don't love the linebackers, but um, you don't love Collins, Hightower, and a couple of the others behind them. Well, that's the thing. I like Collins and Hightower, but if Nikovich, she's gone for four games, and I don't know. I'm, the other guys make me nervous. That would be, that would be my one fear going in these first four games. The the D backs. The D-backs are about as good as we've ever had. We always have, like, the whole Belichick run, we've had a hole in D-backs somewhere. And this year, it doesn't seem like we have a hole. And the D-line's no, good, it too. No, it doesn't. It seems like we have a lot of depth, too. If a couple of guys get nicked up, uh, we have a couple of guys to bring in right away. I like our safeties. I like our cornerbacks. Um, and I'm more confident in the linebackers. I just think our defense is going to be terrific. Scoring points until the fifth game when Brady returns, that that's the real unknown up here. Yeah, the running backs. Hass and I had talked about the running backs briefly. The running backs, might it might be the worst set of running backs in the league until Deion Lewis comes back. And then, yeah. And then I was so fired up for Martellus Bennett, and I thought we were going to be unstoppable, and maybe we are, but the, the, the buzz has been kind of mixed with him well, in training camp. I, mean, I thought... I thought it'd be more exciting. Preseason, yeah, you know, talking preseason games with three different quarterbacks throwing to him and Gronkowski not on the field. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure you can really. I'm not worried the way that I think some people are, but um, and neither of us like James White. I can't stand seeing him on the field. (laughs) Let's hope he turns uh, it around. I, you know. All of a sudden, there's a lot of enthusiasm up here for the uh, undrafted rookie, D.J. Foster, that he'll take some of White's minutes. Ooh. You know, the concern is obviously picking up the blitz yeah. when you bring in a young player like that. But mm. um, What about... Uh, there's a lot, of buzz, a lot of buzz up here for the Patriots. Well, there mm-hmm. always is a lot of buzz. Are people, yeah. are people confident in Garoppolo or no? You know... They were, and now they're not so sure because his preseason performance was pretty inconsistent. You know, and and it's not like he, it's not like in the preseason where yeah he could be inconsistent. You bring Brady in, he, and then Garoppolo goes back out there and does a. I mean, he's the show. You're not going to yeah. play the rookie. Um, I th- my my I suspect that we're going to see a lot of short passes. And I don't know that they have a deep threat again. I mean, once again, our team doesn't seem to have a deep threat, which seems to be the only team in the league that never has somebody that can stretch the defense. So I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end formations over and over, two tight ends. Yeah, but Belichick Uh, is probably the greatest football coach of all time. His track record with drafting receivers since the Deion Branch pick is it's almost impossible. I think we I think we've taken like eleven receiver I think we took eleven receivers from oh three through two thousand fifteen or oh four through two thousand fifteen and none of them made it. I think the only one that made it was Edelman who they drafted as a quarterback. Slater made it as a special teams guy. He's not actually a wide receiver. So then this year the guy who's the guy Malcolm Malcolm Mitchell? Malcolm Mitchell who's yeah. been banged up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they were he seemed he seemed exciting, and then, but he hasn't been healthy. Right, that's right. 
you know, they had a great comparison in the paper of the wide receiver over the past 10 years, the wide receivers mm-hmm. picked by the Patriots versus the wide receivers picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. All in the same drafts as they went through year by year. And the Steelers had like six um, guys. And, and almost every single one of the guys the Steelers picked, we could have picked. Right. They, they, weren't, they weren't in front of us in terms of picks. We could have taken them. And we always seem to, as you said, we, we really have missed on picking wide receivers. Makes a huge difference in your offense, obviously. He seems like he keeps uh, getting seduced by the same type of guy, like those 6'2 athletes who have the raw tools, but they haven't put it together. Yeah, and then in free agency or wherever else, we always end up with those slot receiver, kind of heady, know-what-they're-doing guys, but we've never been able right. to draft them. And like Antonio, Brown's, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, like these guys were sitting there, and they, they, just, they, they just haven't been able to get lucky. Um, well, well they, they haven't been able to get lucky, but also one of the criticisms up here is that Belichick relies much too heavily on the combine statistics. Yeah. And that that doesn't always translate to a smart player or a player who can learn a complicated playbook or just as instinctive in terms of getting open. Um, yeah, they're really fast. and Dobson. You're not going to miss Dobson. You won't miss Dobson. Not going to miss Dobson. Not going to miss Dobson. And it's interesting. I don't think anybody's picked him up, right. which tells you something, also, doesn't it? Yeah. The uh, I I just want to point out we spent the last three minutes complaining about a team that won the AFC is twelve of the last thirteen years. Um, so that was fun. Um, I'm optimistic. <laughs> and for whom I'm picking thirteen wins, maybe. Yeah. I mean, one of the best things is that the the rest of the division just always sucks. You know, this year I right. think the Bills and Dolphins are both going to suck this year. The Jets, the Jets will be in the mix, and they'll they'll be somewhere between eight and ten wins again. Um, but we just year after year we have just lucked out. You look at like the NFC West, where you've had San Francisco, Arizona, and Seattle over the course of five years all become these dominant contenders, and right. we've just never had to worry about that in the AFC East except for that one two year run with with Rex and the uh, and the Jets, and that was it. Yeah, my problem with that is it, it gives you a false sense of security in terms of how your team is shaping up for the playoffs. Right. And, and, you know, last year, you couldn't have a better example than last year when we blew those last two games, lost home field, so we had to play Denver in Denver. Uh. You know, we can't do things like that again. You know, yeah, you can run through your own division, your own uh, AFL East, but if, if you blow the, the, the game... The AFL East, that was good. Yeah, AFL, AFL East? The AFL oh. East. Yeah, well, whatever. Happy what 69th birthday in advance. <laughs> you know what I meant. Uh, wait, quickly. I, I don't know if we've talked since the Al Horford thing. You're fired up about that. I'm you're, really fired up, yeah. You're fired up for I've this. You're as fired you know, up for always, this Celtic season as you've been in a while for a season. More so than probably 09. So you're going yeah. back a while. Well, yeah. uh, no, I, I shouldn't say that. Oh, 10. 10 was a great year. We should have, could have, would have won the playoff, won the uh, championship 
if we didn't have Perkins get injured. But, yeah, I'm pretty fired up. I always liked Horford. He's a real team player. He brings to the table all those things that you, wrote, you actually wrote about in the, the book of basketball. Oh, thanks for the plug. The, the, other, the other players already love him. Yeah. Um, they've been working out together. Uh, you know, we're still a player short. And, and I'm still not convinced that we're this all kinds of rumors about Philly needing to unload a big man. I wouldn't mind taking one of those big men. So I'm not sure what it would take. You've, you like, uh, you've liked Okafer for a while. I have liked Okafer. Um, Philly messed up. because although, Philly, oh, Philly should have known that they were going to be in this predicament in June. And that was my argument for not doing anything in June because at some point Philly was going to get close to this NBA season and go, oh shit, we have five big guys. We, we can only play two of them at the same time. This is a disaster. And I think that's happening now. Yeah. yeah. So um, my dream would be to like steal Okafer for like Terry Rozier and <laughs> some crappy first round pick. It's not, maybe, you just don't know. I mean, they might have a fire sale for one of those guys. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I was kind of laughing. They, they re-signed Elton Brand. Yeah. How many big guys can you have in one team? It's, it's almost uh, like they signed him as a coach. Uh, yeah. Good locker room presence, but I, I still can see something happening. Now, now that we have Horford, yeah, and Horford is he's really not a power forward. He's a center. I'm not sure which Philly guy I would want because Okafor pretty much plays center near the basket. I'm I think not you'd sure want, which one I would want. I'd want Okafor, and I'd want to use him like OKC used Dennis Cantor last year. As the yeah. guy that you run your offense through in the second quarter, in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, okay. But I don't know. So, I If I were the Celtics, I wouldn't do anything. I, I I think you just wait and you have all these assets and you just wait for the perfect deal. I don't care if they win the title this year. I, I want to win next decade. Their position with this terrible Brooklyn team to have two more top three picks and have right. this foundation that's going to last through 2030. So I don't want to mess with that. I don't, well, they're not going to win the title this year. Anyway. It and, and you have a good locker room. And I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Rosier last year, but good summer league looked terrific in the summer league. Yeah. yeah. Good summer league. It, like um, we've never they, been, and, we've never been teased by a great summer league performance before. Oh no. Kedrick Brown. That uh, though. Oh, that's happened yeah. nine times. <laughs> Yeah, but they need somebody I don't trust to play some of the minutes and score some of the points off the bench that Turner gave them the last couple of years. Um, um, last thing, uh, we'll save Red Sox for when we get closer to the end of September. But I already talked about the AL East. I know you talked about the AFL East already. <laughs> um, I just want to say that you didn't totally have my back on Sunday when everybody wanted to go out for brunch and. I refused to leave because I thought there was a real chance that Eduardo Rodriguez was going to no hit the A's and you knew I was right, but I thought you deferred to your wife and my wife a little bit and made it seem like I was the bad guy. And I didn't appreciate it because Rodriguez almost did throw a no hitter. And I don't know. I just expected a little more. I, 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 I see. I wanted, I expected we'd be doing both. As soon as he gave up that hit, I thought we'd be jumping in the car and heading to brunch. Okay. But, uh, Wow. You, you seem to go into your sports depression, and I don't think we ended up eating, did we? 
No, we we I'm ended still up getting, hungry. We got takeout. I'm still hungry. <laughs> I thought that was it. That A's team is so terrible. I thought we were going to get to watch a no hitter together. We didn't watch Derek yeah. Lowe together. We didn't watch Adeo Nomo together. Um, I thought that was going to be I, the one. I, I think I told you I've never seen. I, I've seen a replay of a no hitter. I've never seen a no hitter actually sitting watching a no hitter. You fell asleep. You fell asleep for Hideo Nomo. I remember. I, I remember. I, I called. Rem- I called you after, or I called you before, or somebody was something happened, and you you just you missed it. You just flat out missed I, it. I, I didn't. I don't. Obviously, I I don't recall ever seeing it, and uh, I I vaguely remember Hideo Nomo. Well, that was the thing. We'd been waiting for a Red Sox no-hitter my whole life. And then Nomo like showed up from the National League. Nobody had any sort of history with him. Um, And he was the one that did it. It felt kind of, I don't know, it didn't feel... It didn't feel like a real one, and then Lowe did it at I, Fenway, and then that felt like the that felt like I the. I do one. remember being in my car, and it was about seven years ago or so, and I think Schilling was in the ninth inning with a no hitter. Yeah. And I was listening to the radio, and I pulled over to the side of the road, and I was getting all ready to cheer. I wasn't watching it, obviously, but at least I was listening to it. And he gave up that hit with one out in the ninth inning. I think. Yeah. So that's as close as I came to live participation. Well, thanks but for throwing I, me again, under the bus. I would have liked to have brunch on Sunday. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. Dad, uh, enjoy the AFL East this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you later <laughs> later in September when the Red Sox get uh, closer. All right. I'll talk to you during the game Sunday. All right, see you. Thanks so much to Sling TV, the best way to watch live TV on your turf. For just 20 bucks a month, stream more than 20 live channels, including ESPN, TNT, and AMC. No installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com slash Bill Simmons. All you need is an internet connection. Restrictions do apply. And also, since we're here, thanks to HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand, that's where you can watch complete episodes and bonus clips from my new talk show, Any Given Wednesday. I would encourage you to watch this week's discussions with Malcolm Gladwell and Demora Smith from the NFLPA because we talked about a lot of stuff that became even more relevant when you watch Cam Newton take seven head-to-head hits during that game. Uh, We have a new episode coming next week, Wednesday, 10 p.m. on HBO. And thanks to TheRinger.com and The Ringer's Podcast Network. Thanks to my dad. Thanks to Rember Brown. Thanks to Joe House. We will see you next week. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. Picture me rolling.